pronouncing it right, Canaan. Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all, all that he had, and lots and lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Al, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the lamb was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham, livestock, and the herdmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Pezzarites then dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for you, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zorah. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separate from each other. Abraham, Abraham it wasn't, his name wasn't actually Abraham at that point, it was Abraham. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abraham and Lot, had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the Terebeth tree of Mama, Ma, no, Mara, which are in Hedron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Sorry, I can't pronounce some of these words, so do look it up and do read it yourself, yeah. But basically what I'm trying to tell you is the story of how it began. So Lot was Abraham's nephew. His dad died and Abraham took it on himself to take him with him. But originally God told Abraham to move away and move away from his family. But Lot had a heart, and Abraham had a heart, so he took Lot with him. So they both grew in number, in herds and everything else. God just blessed them and blessed them and blessed them. And then it got so much that um, they their men was fighting with, with each other and jealousy started coming in. So Lot set, so they separated. But Lot looked out and saw it being beautiful and plentiful and everything else. He said, yeah, I want that. And he took that, all right? Now, afterwards, we go on to, um, they separated. And then further on in chapter 18, Abraham has a visit from um, three men. Um, no, before this, yeah. 
Abraham was interceding for Lot. So what happened was, um, in the meantime, a war started, and one of one of them escaped where Lot was, and he went back and told Abraham that Lot has been captured. So Lot, um, so Abraham and his men went there, and they fought and they won the battle, and they brought Lot back with him and all his herdsmen, all his women, all his flock, everything he took. So at that point, um, he then had another choice of where Lot had another choice of where he wanted to be. So instead of going back to Abraham with Abraham and his people, he didn't. He then proceeded, if I've got this right, he went further into Gomorrah. So he was on the outside of Gomorrah. Now he's gone into Sodom Gomorrah. So then he, he settles there. And then after several years, I think it could have been 12 years, um, Abraham has a visit from three angels. So they're coming, um, they come to him and Abraham greets them. But Abraham in his spirit knew that these three men were different. So he tries to say, he says to them, come and have some food. Let me wash your feet. Let me do this. Let me do that. He says to Sarah, um, cut a, a lamb and kill it and cook it and everything else because he wants to really spoil these men. But he knew in his spirit that these men was different. Now, some say one of them may have been Jesus. We don't know. Three angels. So the angels then... After they leave him, they're proceeding to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they say to themselves, we should tell Abraham the, the truth. We should tell him why we're going there. So they're going there because they're going to wipe it out. Because they've, they've heard people praying there. They've heard all the things that's been going on, that's been going up to the Lord. There was sodomy. There was, there was everything there that was an abomination to God. So... He t- so they say to Abraham, they're going there. And Abraham starts debating with them and starts pleading with them and saying to them, but if there's 10 people there, would you destroy it? You know, he, he starts off with 50 people. I think it's 50 people. And then he, he keeps going down. And they, and they said, if there's 10 people there, we won't destroy it. So he leaves them. But in the meantime, the angels have said that Sarah's in her 80s or 90s is going to have a baby. And she chuckles about it as well, thinking that, you know, I've got no womb or what have you. But, you know, so um, so they, they go away. She'd already had that prophecy that she was going to have a baby. And then they confirm it. They said, this time next year, you'll be having a son. Anyway, he carries on. They go. And when they get there, they go to um, Lot's was um he'd, he'd gone to that place he now was in a place where he, he knew that these men were different so he invited them into his home he insisted that they come into his home so he prepares a meal and everything else but the people now got wind of him being there so they start to say to um so the men that was there, they go and knock on the door and they, they say, let him come. We want them men. We want to, they start saying disgusting things, like we want to have sex with them. We want to do this, do that. Um, Lot starts pleading with them and saying to them, look, take my two virgin daughters. They're both virgin. Do whatever you want to do with them, but please don't touch these men because he knew that they was um, from the Lord. Anyway, the men 
still try to do it. And in the meantime, they've gone to attack Lot. So Lot, the, um, the angels then put their hands out and draw him back in. And they bring him back in. And then the angels blind all the people that's there in Sodom and Gomorrah. So it, the angels say to Lot, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with these ladies. Bear with me, yeah? So the angels say to Lot, right, gather your family and bring them out of the thing because we're going to destroy the whole lot of this place. And he says, um, so now, all he's got now is two daughters and two future son-in-laws. But the son-in-laws think that he's, he's nuts. You know, they don't want to believe him. They don't want to believe the word of God. So they say to Lot, right, take your wife. Don't look back. Just carry on. Go to there. They say to him, go to the mountains. He says, no, I'm, I'm too weak or what have you. I can't get to the mountain. Let me go to the other place. They go. They say, okay, then we'll hold back until you get there. So they wipe it out. As they're wiping it out, Sarah looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt. Right, The two girls then proceed with their dad. They go to the caves, and then the girls um, get their dad drunk. They know they've got no mum, so then they think that their their race is going to stop. So they make they deceive their dad, make him drunk, and then one sleeps with him and falls pregnant, and then the other one does as well. Right. So my point is, is how many times we look at things and we think, wow. That's so beautiful. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that's so good. You know, we don't look at the bigger picture. We just see what's in front of us. That's what Lot did. He just saw what was in front of him. He didn't see the bigger picture. Look how God then blessed Abraham when Lot left. God gave Abraham multiplied. He multiplied everything what Abraham had. But we miss that. But what happens is, is when we go to the wrong place, when we're in the wrong place, when we desire the wrong things, we start lot, lot lost everything he had. Now, he could have said, you know what? I've tried it on my own and I've not succeeded. I'm going to go back to Abraham and I'm going to live with my family in God's presence and everything else. He knew Abraham was a holy man, knew Abraham was a good man, but he didn't. So he contaminated his whole family. They got contaminated. They started living the way in Sodom and Gomorrah. They started living the way of, of life there. Even so, that these was a godly family. Lot was a godly man. He even offered his own daughters up. But because the place where they was wasn't the right place, it, it started to attach itself to them. So their minds started changing. Their thoughts started changing. Their presence started changing. They started to become worldly people without even knowing it. This is where I believe God says for us not to go to the scornfuls, not to sit with the scornfuls. He doesn't say for us not to love. He says for us to love. He says don't hate the flesh, hate the spirit. Yeah, It's not the person he's against, but it's the spirit that he's against. 
But these people, they started thinking carnally. They started thinking worldly. Now, they've just had a God that saved them. They've been taken out of there. An angel has come to save them. But they missed it. The daughters didn't even realize that. They're not even seeing it. But they're thinking their own mind. Rather than thinking supernaturally, if God can create Adam from the earth and Eve, he could have created two men for them. They didn't have to do what they'd done to keep their race going. God could have done it supernaturally. But they were so far away, they didn't see that. Now, Sarah, she, didn't, she turned around because she, she saw she had nothing. She saw all what she left behind. So she was thinking of what she's left behind. She wasn't thinking of where she's going. She wasn't thinking that she had a life. She wasn't thinking that she had a family. And this is how, as well, they, they, they didn't multiply. He only had two daughters. He should have had ten daughters, ten sons in that time. But he didn't. There was no, the fruits was dripping away from him. There was no fruits there because the fruits had been eaten up from the worldly things of the, of the place where he was. How many times have we looked in, our, in, in places or gone places or received things or thought about things or chose things that is not good for us, but we think we're choosing the right thing because it looks good, it looks sweet, it tastes nice. You know, how many times have we been in that place? And how many times have we missed what God's really got for us? We can't always see round that bend, but we know God is the other end of that bend. And we know that he's holding our hands through that bend when we go through our trials and tribulations. But Lot, Lot missed out on so much. Even his own children, I believe they perished. Unless they repented, you know, for what they'd done, but they become carnally. So sometimes we think we're strong. We think we're, yeah, we can do it. We can do it on our own. We don't need God. We don't need fellowship. We don't need that. Oh, yes, all right. I can go in the pub. I can have a drink. I can do this, do that. I'm just using this hypothetically. But, you know, we think we can do it sometimes. But we can't. And I think this story is a great reminder for me to say, do you know what? Even when it looks good, even when it looks, you know, um, I, I've got a dilemma going on at the minute and it's um, I'm thinking about moving and to, to move into another area where you think for the money that you have, you could get a beautiful house and everything else. And it was like, I'm sharing this with you because it was like the Lord gave me a revelation and it was so powerful to me. And it was like, yeah. I could have that beautiful house and it looks good. And to other people, they still look at that I'm quite successful. That I've got a nice house, etc. But what about the area I'm in? Where am I? I'm in the wilderness. You know, whereas here, I want to stay in Loughton. I might not have all that rosy house. I might just have a small little house. But I'm in the right place. 
even though it might not look beautiful, even though, you know, I, I might not have that four-bedroom house. I might have to go down to a, a smaller house. But I'm in the right place. This is my church. This is my family. This is my ministry. You know, unless God tells me himself that he wants me to move somewhere else, then I have to go in faith. But from on the outside, you know, and especially peer pressure around me, my husband, my children, oh, we can't leave this house and then go to there, or like no disrespect, like, you know, saying oh, into a poor area, etc. They still want their luxuries. They still want their, their things they're used to. But it's like, what do you want, Lord? What do you want? And as I was driving through, and I was driving through Faden Boyce, it was like, wow, what happened with Lot and Abraham? See, we see those things. We see those things that look really nice and really beautiful. And we think, yeah, I've still got that. Still hold my head up. I'm successful. I've got my own house, da-da-da-da. You know, the lies start coming in, and you start believing them. But then when you come down and you think, Lord, where do you want me to be? See, I've got to the point now where I believe it. When the Lord said, better one day in his court than a thousand elsewhere, I know it. I believe it. And I don't want to be anywhere where God don't want me to be. And I don't want any of you to be anywhere that God don't want you to be. So sometimes when we look at other people and we look at things around us and we think, you know what, they, they got it good. You don't know their circumstances. You don't know what's behind closed doors. My mum was a great one for that. She always used to say, you never know what happens behind closed doors. In marriages, she used to speak about, you know. But it's true. We don't know. And we don't know. Unless God tells us, and, you know, we have prophecy and things like that to encourage us, to help us grow, etc. We don't know what's behind that closed door. But God does know. God does know. So it's our job to make sure that when things are, like the trials and the tribulations and even the good things in our life, you know, Eve thought that apple or that piece of fruit was good and she took it and look what happened. You know, and we do that often. We choose jobs that we think is really good for us. We, we, um, we think, oh, having a better car, etc. is good for us. And sometimes it's not. It always looks good on the surface, but deep down, what does God want for us? Where does God want us to be? What's your ministry? What's, what's God got plans for you this year? You know, someone said, um, a, a guy, a, prof, a prophet um, in our church, he said about writing down what God wants for us for the next 10 years. I can't even see one year sometimes. You know, so our exercise for this week is, you know, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him what he wants you to do this year. What is it where he wants to use you? What's the ministry he's got? Each one of us have got a ministry, and you've got a big ministry, a big, big ministry. And God, God's got a big ministry for all of us, but each one of us an individual. And he loves each one of us, and he's got a great plan, a big plan for us. Each one of us. And it might not be that you've got that four-bedroom house. It might be that you're just living in that one room. But in that one room, God can multiply. And God can visit us wherever we are. And it's not about what we've got. 
It's about what we've got inside. It's about our Jesus inside our hearts. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And that's what he's training us to be. To love him more. To get to know him more. To, to hang on to him more. Even through the trials and the tribulations. Even through the pain. He's holding on to him. So ask the Holy Spirit. Where do you want us to be? What is it you've got plans for us this year, Lord? Is it just to have a coffee with the neighbour? Is it to speak to someone at the bus stop? Or is it that, you know, now's the time for you to step out. Now's the time to step into the uncomfortable places where God wants to take you, where God wants to use you. What's the plans God has for your lives? We say thank you, Lord. Lord, bless everyone. Bless everyone, Father God. Bless the people that couldn't get here today, Lord. We say thank you that we can come together, Lord. Thank you that we can hear your word, Lord. Thank you that we can grow in you, Lord. Thank you that you know us, Lord, inside and out, Lord. And we say thank you, Father God, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, 